Welcome to another episode of the Souvenirs Podcast. This week we hear from Julie Macias Brooks. Julie is a fifth generation Wickenburg resident who served as executive director of the Wickenburg Chamber of Commerce from 1988 to 2021. You could say her illustrious career began back in 1967 when she started working at the ranch. Julie is a wealth of knowledge about all things Wickenburg. So let's listen as she shares some of her fondest memories of what makes this place so special. Thank you for joining me this morning. Oh, thank you for asking. Let's start with your employment at the ranch. What was your role and when did you start working there? You know, I started working when I was a freshman in high school and uh, originally with the children's program. And Mrs. Edie Gant um, hired me. Over the course of, um, let me think, six years, I went from the children's program into the dining room. And, uh, and then after I graduated from high school in, in 1972, I would come back during the holidays. And even after I married and Art and I came back home in 70, I think it was about 74, 75 for a couple of years. And I'd go and work, you know, the holidays and special events. What was so really um, wonderful to learn during the first year that I was hired, and again, you know, on a student's time frame. So it wasn't every day and, and when needed, especially with the children's program, is learning that my aunt, my, my father's youngest um, sister, Ursi Macias, and my maiden name is Macias, also worked there when she was in high school. And Edie was telling us that the dining room uniforms are based on the originals that they started, which was a, a white calico, um, a white a peasant blouse and a calico skirt, a multicolored calico skirts, and then a, an apron to go with that. And they were all, you know, washed and starched at the ranch. And usually you could, you had two or three, you know, uniforms to trade out. But my aunt didn't realize that the, the same basic, you know, uniforms were there until I was getting ready one afternoon and she popped in and she goes, I know where you're working. <laughs> so, but it was really comfortable and you got to know the early families that had, you know, homes. Um, it, you just, it was just a smaller, you know, footprint, um, very much prideful in the fact that it was here in Wickenburg and, and people came to know you know, our community and love it. And many of them, of course, then built their homes or built other homes in and around the area. When I got older, it was just, you know, a wonderful opportunity to make money to go toward education. They were able to give me whatever time I, I needed. And I truly enjoyed the time. Um, of course, Rusty and Susie were great friends and wonderful colleagues and still are today. Edie was this elegant woman and very um, accommodating, you know, for those of us that were new and then those of us that stayed, um, along with all the management side of it. I mean, we had great friends, whether you were with the upper management or you were with um, the chefs in the kitchen and, and long-lasting relationships. What was the dining experience like back then? Not much uh, of change until just, you know, recently. So you had, um, of course, the Spanish motif 
and the Spanish, much like Bishop Lodge, and that's, you know, the in, in the New Mexico um, ranch, they would have their, um, some of their people would decide, you know, yes, we would go to Bishop and work for the summer, and my Aunt Ursi did that. And Jody Anderson, um, and I wish I could remember Jody's maiden name, but they were good friends and worked at the ranch and then went to Bishop. And so you had similar meals, I mean, beef, fish. Um, I learned a wonderful recipe from Teddy Stanley, the head chef, that how to cook scallops. And then today, I mean, that's why I love scallops. The menus were really nourishing and um, not really unique. They still had the Western take on it, whether it was a steak out on Yucca Flats or serving a sirloin, you know, in the dining room. What do you remember about the cookouts at Yucca Flats? The older I got, because then I would go out to help there, um, it was just so fun. You know, the fires and, of course, the entertainment. And you just had some really close, you know, conversations whether you were an employee or you were you know, just having um, time with the rest of the employees of age that would go out there after hours. You should talk to Dave Darby about that one. <laughs> anyway, um, it was just a great place. And, uh, and Yucca Flats was, in my mind, a perfect name because there were so many yuccas around the area. Um, and when they were in bloom, it was amazing. I'm sure for the people that were visiting, you know, Wickenburg and the ranch to see the desert just in that color. And did they drive the guests out to Yucca Flats? They had a wagon. Yeah, everything else, much like what it's been over over decades. And they had it set up, not as what I've seen it today, where George took me out, uh, I think it was in November, and I looked at, you know, what has been added, which I think is very, very smart. Um... I hope that they keep the name Yucca Flats. I think it is a uh, something that is traditional to the ranch itself. Do you remember any memorable guests or staff? Um, we had uh, Teddy Stanley's mother, who was a baker. She was tremendous, um, no taller than four foot one, maybe. And Teddy was about the same size, but she she started making the cookies that I think are still there today. Um, they're the little crisps and so on. And um, so I remember remember fondly that um, Earl Johnson and Teddy and Dan Martin were approached by Ed Robeson, who was a developer, still is a developer in Arizona. And he and his partners were opening Pinewood in Munns Park, which is between here and Flagstaff. And they asked um, the Gant family if they would be interested in um, opening the restaurant that first year. And so we were all approached, and I was a senior at that time, and, and said, you know, this is a good opportunity for you and others to make money for three months before you go away to college. What do you think? And I said, yes. So I gathered, um, I think, five or six of our girlfriends, um, three others that were that graduated with me and then and then a, a junior that uh, my family had um, friends for a long time. And the morning after graduation, we headed up to Munts Park and stayed for three months. And I'm not sure if the ranch did that for two years. I can't remember, but I think they did and opened a, a great 
you know, resort for uh, Arizona through, through that effort, too. Where did most of the staff come from that you worked with? Locals as much as they could, and then those that followed the other ranches. So um, if they worked in Montana, Wyoming, or New Mexico, you know, in the summer, they were here in the winter. And that's kind of what the ranches did, I think, is just switch at the time. When I came back after marrying uh, and worked occasionally when they needed somebody, like they had built the conference center, and so I would come just for a, you know some some big things. That's when employees started to change because they needed to reach further, and whether it was through you know an employment agency or again the tie to the Arizona Dude Ranch Association or whatever it was, they were able to accommodate that. It was the early days. It was really just special, and the pride in the ranch itself. Now, at that time, you had to be a guest to go out there to have dinner. You know, it wasn't an open as the as it is today. And and I was really thankful that they changed that because it made the ranch a community of Wickenburg, not just you know another dude ranch. That they really took the community to heart. And still today, so I hope it stays that way. How has Rancho de los Caballeros influenced the Wickenburg community? Well, I mean, the Dude Ranch Association um, in Arizona was very small at the time when the ranch was open 75 years ago. But it was Rusty and Susie's dad, um, Dallas, who um, became one of our first presidents of the Wickenburg Chamber of Commerce, which was originally incorporated as the Roundup Club. And they knew they had to promote outside of Arizona. So um, they established really with the hoteliers and the other guest ranches, because at that time there were probably seven, and then it grew to 12 and 13, you know, full, full effort. Well, okay, what's the marketing plan? <laughs> and Wickenburg Chamber was one of the oldest in Arizona. So Phoenix, Peoria, Buckeye, Tucson, Wickenburg, they decided collectively to put their money together and to let the Easterners know what the Westerners do. And as the uh, oldest town north of Tucson, Wickenburg was prime in the fact that we had authenticity. You know, founded in 1863, we're the real deal. And Rancho de los Caballeros is the second, was the third at that time, the third um, guest ranch. So you had Kale Bar and Ramuda and then Rancho de los Caballeros. So they did, I mean, some of the early marketing is really cool, and I kept it, you know, at the chamber, and, and they would, um, they put together at the chamber uh, like a Wickenburg, what was it called? Wickenburg Media or Wickenburg Press. And so they would just, you know, market themselves. They'd have, like, they would take their pictures, most of them were black and white, of the ranches, and then a one-page press release and then in the future, they added the brochures of each ranch. And then they'd just mail them off. So they'd mail them off to the Arizona Republic, the Phoenix Gazette, the Tucson Citizen. And then they started placing some small ads in newspapers in the East Coast. Um, one of the uh, great stories is that Dallas, and I'm not sure who else, it might have been um, Mr. Burden, too. They just got in their car and drove to New York. <laughs> And started promoting. So um, that's called guerrilla marketing in my mind, and it worked. 
and it worked not only for Wickenburg but for Arizona, and that created really the mystique of dude ranching in, in our state and continues today. And thankfully, we still have our ranches today. What do you remember about the train station? Oh, as a little girl, I'm, I don't know if you know, I've, I'm fifth generation Wickenburg, and there's seven generations today that, that live here. My um, earliest remembrance of the train station is when I was probably five, five or six, and um, we went to the train station because people were of, of our family were coming off the train. Fast forward another two, three years, my, uh, my uncle, um, Ursi's husband, Irvin Randolph, worked for Santa Fe. And after working at the depot, he was promoted to different locations, whether it be um, Flagstaff, the Grand Canyon, Holbrook. And so as kids, my younger sibling, uh, sister Deb, and my um, brother Mike, we would go to the train station and the porters would help us get on the train. And we would have first class service to wherever we were going and whether it was Flag or or the other locations, and we did that probably for four or five years. And so it was just the, the nostalgia of when I took um, the position at the chamber, it was actually spring of, of um, 88, and uh, walked in and saw, you know, that the renovation had begun and the restoration, the, the first phase of the restoration, and that my office was going to be the office that my uncle had and some of the conductors that we had met and uh, had left their materials to the chamber, it was just like, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to be home. I'm supposed to be back home. And then being involved in, you know, um, two other final restorations of the depot. To have an 1895 true, you know, Santa Fe depot in our community, it's the front door to Wickenburg. When did passenger trains stop? 60s, mid-60s, and commercials stopped in the 70s. And most people, if they took the train after that, they would go up to Flagstaff? They would go to, um, so, you know, if you were heading out toward Congress and you see the tracks, well, at Mathy, um, right before, so left would go west to Barstow, right would be the P-Vine that would go up at the time through Prescott and then um, Ash Fork and so on. It was a magical time growing up in this area and having, you know, so much history, you know, the the Hispanic history, the Western history, the dude ranch history, the early entrepreneurs, whether you're female or, or, you know, those that came from the East to open up stores here. I wish more people knew about the history of our community and knowing that you had families that just took, decided, you know, this is where I'm going to stay, or came out to visit either on the train or, or you know, through um, stagecoach and, and decided, you know, I've always said the, tr- the, the desert speaks to us if we just allow it to. I believe that the Indians also found this place to be very sacred and spiritual. And so... Around us, we had some hostile tribes, but within this area, we had a tribe that was more conducive to who lived here, and they were not the faction of fighting or killing. And um, what tribe was that? 
That was the Yavapai Apache. And there were two Yavapai Apache Indian tribes, one north of here, closer to Day Creek. That really was the tribe that actually caused some, you know, havoc. But those that resided along the river and and, uh, traded with ranchers, including my great-great-grandfather and so on, they were not that way. And, um, and I really think that the peace within the area, the mountains, the river itself, you know, the vegetation at the time, all of that just kind of called to us, this is home. And it did, I'm quite sure to, for my great-great-grandfather, it sure did for us to be able to come back home for this wonderful place. Yeah, as your time out at Rancho de los Caballeros, you worked and went away and then came back. What changes did you notice? Growth, you know, they had to expand. Um, they had to, you know, restore, renovate, expansion, because really it was a premier ranch in our state. And at the time, they had a marketing firm. I can't even remember how many people were employed, but a lot of people. And they were very involved in the community. When I came back to the chamber, we we started our tourism authority. And so we always had a representative from the ranches whether it was Ann Giles or, you know, Rusty himself. And the representation was not only local. Rusty uh, was president of, you know, the Arizona Hotel Motel Association and then um, the U.S. And, and so on. So he represented the ranch, but he also represented our community, as well as his dad and mother prior. The ranch owners probably in the mid to early 70s were very tight Flying Eve, I and George Wellick, and the Burdens, of course, and they did a lot together to make sure that not only that people knew who they were, but the civic engagement and the contributions made to our community, we would not have what we have today. We're a a small rural community, and so are many others in Arizona, but we are so very lucky when we have the contributions by leadership and by contributions that made the Desert Caballeros Western Museum and the Webb Center and the hospital. I mean, I can go on and on and on. And the leadership in the Chamber of Commerce. Um, and it was many of those men and women who created such a strong organization. What do you think the legacy of Rancho de los Caballeros is? And what do you hope it will be? Well, I think the leg- I think they have to tell, your, tell the story. Because if we don't tell our story, no one knows. And... They have to continue to tell their story. So, yes, you're 75 years old. What's the next 75 years going to be? And, you know, is it time to maybe be annexed into the town of Wickenburg? Because I believe that's the next step. That ties the new and the old to a, a historic community that's going to only continue to grow. And it's got to be that type of partnership. And if you're in the town of Wickenburg together... You can do a lot of things together. So I think that should be the legacy, that they actually take that step. I think that some of the conversation has been, well, it's, you know, we, it's another tax added to. It's a very small tax. And, oh, by the way, part of that tax is a bed tax, which goes to market, advertise, and promote Wickenburg. So it only makes sense, instead of hiring a marketing firm, or hire a marketing firm, but not yet the high rate that's been used over the years, to combine the forces of marketing collectively like we did 92 years ago. 
So I think that's part of the problem, that they did not want that other tax. Well, in addition, you also get Wickenburg Police Department, not Maricopa County Sheriff's Office, so the response is quicker, um, that type of thing. So I hope that they do look at that. That would be a wonderful legacy, is that they're able to continue the traditions of Rancho de los Caballeros, but knowing the uh, force that they can do together with the municipality. And what do you think about the new developments? You know, I really like um, the design, especially the the softness of the dining room, especially. I, I love the colors and and everything that was brought into that. Unfortunately, this year I haven't been able to, to go out and, and, and dine for, for dinner. We have for lunch. I've taken our Arizona Film Commission uh, people out to look at the ranch and um, hopefully, you know, within the few years still coming and movies coming back or production coming back to Arizona that they'll they'll see a, a diamond, you know, here in our desert that um, production can happen, you know, on the acreage that surrounds the ranch. I love the fact that they have added a, a, an entrance that really makes it statement. I like the fact that they added a little gift shop <laughs> with you in it, Susie. I think that probably the only other thing that I would say is that people need to know who the new owners are, um, just as it was when the introductions of the Gants were back 75 years ago. So that, I think, still needs to be done in a variety of ways, You know, whether they do um, private introductions or host a business after-hour mixers with, mixer with a chamber, I'm glad they kept the spa. I, you know, we fought for that for many years, as well as convincing Rusty to take credit cards because cash and checks were just fine. <laughs> and the spa I use um, at least six or seven times a year. Love, love it and love the fact that it's in the Fisher house. So I hope they continue to keep that forward and to add more amenities and yet you know, keep the ambiance of uh, living experience that the Fishers entertained. Mm-hmm. And what do you think your experience at the ranch, how did it influence you into your future role? Well, tremendously. And I tell people, you know, a diploma or a certificate in your work sector is just pieces of you. It's what you do as a youth and a young adult that really makes you. And my job as executive director of the chamber, two chambers, so 40 years of chamber work, I contribute the most to Girl Scouts and the leadership with that for 17 years and working at Rancho de los Caballeros because it gave you such um, another aspect to life in knowing more people from really all, all across the United States, you know, of all walks. And Edie Gant's precise <laughs> criteria on what she wanted, you know, from folding napkins specifically to, you know, reviewing the menu to meeting, I think meeting a variety of different homeowners that became wonderful donors to our community, whether it was the institutions that I talked about earlier or funding for a new fire engine, you know, whatever. They wanted us to know who resided there, so we were introduced to them. Um, My mother also worked, uh, she was a caterer, 
and uh, worked with uh, Mike Lang and, and many others. And she became also one of the early caretakers for one of the homeowners on the Mesa. So that kind of gave me um, an outlook of really what a, an extension could be other than just our life here in Wickenburg that you know we really got to know more people and expand our horizons learn more about hospitality through a gifted woman and having a lifelong friendship of uh, with Rusty and Susie and still today you know the as the years grew and the more marketing that was done there were more people and that's why you know called for expansion my dad was a cat skinner so he he had um, large caterpillars and um, graders and so on so he did a lot of the work for the gants and uh, just knowing you know what their forethought of expansion would be including the golf course and you know everything else that's been added over these decades I you know you wonder I, I always like to think that you still have Dallas and Edie looking over and saying you know, yes, this is what we were striving for, maybe in a different manner, but, you know, we know that our traditional guest ranching and hospitality knowledge is being carried, carried forward. Thank you, Julie, for sharing your stories, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Souvenirs Podcast. You may have wondered, what is my connection to the ranch? Well, as Julie mentioned, I work in the gift shop as retail manager. I've been employed at the ranch since 2017. Hey, maybe I'll get my own episode to share my stories. I'll have to run that idea by the producer. Thank you for continuing to share this podcast with friends and family. If you can take a minute and review or leave a rating, that helps with all that algorithm stuff so even more folks can find the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time. Souvenirs Podcast is produced by Susie Miner. Background music written and performed by Dick Fredrickson.